understand that animal promotion, in order for it to be effective, it needs to be a journey. Hello, and welcome to the Art of Selling Online Courses. We're here to share winning strategies and secret hacks from top performers in the online course industry. My name is John Ainsworth, and today's guest is Monica Badu. Monica has got an insatiable curiosity for paper art, psychology, and all things digital marketing. She's our in-house copywriting chief and copy coach. She specializes in sales copywriting for online course creators who want to produce copy that speaks to their ideal customer and generates conversions. Now, today we're going to be talking about how to write effective emails for selling your courses using decision-making models. We've talked a lot about email on this podcast before, but we're going to take a different angle on it today and explain some of the understanding, the psychology that's going to help you to be able to write those effective emails for your selling your courses. Before we start learning from Monica, I just want to give a quick plug to our webinar. If you've not gone and checked it out, you can see it's free at datadrivenmarketing.co slash webinar. It's about 45 minutes. It's a recording of a talk that I gave for one of our partners. I think it was Funalytics. And in there, you can see the whole model of every step you need overall kind of gives you the overview of how to be able to sell more courses. It's fast paced. It's a bit funny in places, terribly charming. It's going to be very good fun for you. So go watch, check it out. And it's going to really help you to understand the whole framework of how to sell more courses. Monica, welcome to the show. It's awesome to be here again. So we recently published a case study about the 11 steps that we use to grow one client's course sales to $139,560 per month, and then how you can follow the same steps to increase your own revenue as well. And half of the monthly revenue in that case study was from email promotions of $65,000 a month. And if anybody wants to check that out, the link will be in the show notes. And also you can just go to datadrivenmarketing.co slash blog, and you'll be able to find the blog post there. So, but I want to dive into the whole email promotion side of things, because I think one of the things that people don't understand is about how to understand different segments of their audience, people who are at different stages in terms of thinking, and how to write for those different segments. So what do people need to understand about segmenting their audience, understanding different groups within their audience in order to make writing promo emails that work for those different people? So I think it starts with two very essential things. Number one is the customer avatar, specifically their objections and fears over not investing in your course, not trying the framework, or even not learning online. So all of these things, those are very essential. They drive the topic and the angles of your promotions. And secondly, And I think this is something that a lot of people just kind of forget about. Not everyone will remain in the same awareness level as they were when they first signed up for your email list. So I got my lead magnet. Maybe my problem was temporarily relieved. But then in one month from now or in six months from now, I'm not going to be in the same problem awareness or even in the same solution awareness. So if you're going to drop sales emails onto someone who isn't ready to talk about the problem or see the problem, you're kind of wasting that time and effort on someone who's not ready to listen. Can you talk everybody through just briefly what you mean when you're saying problem awareness and solution awareness? Like, what does that what does that mean? So problem aware is I have a problem, I have a course and I want to grow my course sales, but I don't really know exactly how versus solution aware, which is, well, 
DDM says I should run email promotions among other things. And then product aware is the next step after the solution aware, which is, well, I know that DDM has the ICS coaching program where they actually teach me how to implement all of those tactics so I can resolve my initial problem. And there's even a stage before that, isn't there, of like problem unaware, where people don't recognize they've even got a problem. They've got the problem, but they don't even realize, like they might be overweight, but they don't even think about themselves as being overweight. They're not sleeping well, but they don't really think about that. It's just like, oh, it's just a thing, isn't it? You know, whatever. Exactly. Okay. So you've got problem aware, solution aware, product aware. Great. Okay. So how... Is our email promotion strategy different to what most people are doing in order to kind of take this into account? We talked about this many, many times throughout the podcast, and we talked about the individual elements of how we do things in a different way that actually works. But today's episode is more about like the overall strategy of how we plan and strategize the email promotions, because we look at them as individual journeys. When you have to write two email promotions per month, and at some point we had to do it for the same product, Mm. you really need to be very creative with the context and the reason why you're trying to get people to pay attention to the same product again. So we understand that an email promotion, in order for it to be effective, it needs to be a journey. It needs to guide the person who is very busy who's not necessarily thinking about the problem you're trying to solve for them right now, you need to have them pay attention and understand why they need to pay attention. Because for email promotions to work, you, well, the person listening to this or watching this needs to understand that they're not the same leads that came to them from an organic search where they, I know, had the problem or wanted to know more about the problem and landed on your website or on your course page, and they started to learn more about what you do and how you can help them. The person on your email list who hasn't bought in the first place, it's a different person who's looking at your stuff right now. So you need to bring them back to a point where they're able to pay attention to you. And the best way to do that is through talking about what's important to them at this moment. That's how you catch their attention. And then secondly, you write emails that address specific objections, fears, and different decision-making models. Okay, so decision-making models. Talk me through that. What do you, What does that mean? I'm giggling because this is something I'm very excited about. <laughs> and I hope I'm not going to milk some brains. It's not really rocket science, but for someone who's interested in consumer behavior, this is very exciting. So psychologists, talk about four decision-making styles, directive, analytical, conceptual, and behavior. For the purpose of making this podcast easy and fun and not boring, uh, we're going to talk about different personalities that reflect those decision-making models. We're going to talk about early adopters, logical decision-makers, emotional decision-makers, and procrastinators kind of glued up a whole puzzle from reading uh, consumer behavior books, getting more courses on copywriting, customer insights, and a lot of all of these things 
So I can make it easier even for our group coaching students to understand what goes behind the scene of writing the promo emails. Because the framework we usually have, it's called game logic fear, and then the going, going emails. And it sounds simple enough, but if you're not the copywriter and if you don't do this for a living, you might struggle to come up with email angles and topics that are actually effective and feel relevant to the person who might be reading them. So even the order that I mentioned this, early adopter, logical decision maker, emotional decision maker, and procrastinator, they actually follow the order in which we send the promo emails. All right. Talk us through that then. How's that work? Okay. So I'll include some notes for the show because there are some very interesting books that I know some people might want to learn from, but Mm -hmm. whatever. So the first email we have when it comes to the promo emails, the emails that actually start to sell something, is the announcement or gain email. And this type of email is usually like curiosity-based and very focused on what there is to gain. But sometimes we have a promotion for a product that's been promoted several times. So we need to tweak things a little bit, which is where the different personality types come in very handy because we can have a very gain-focused announcement email that focuses really well for the logical decision maker. And it gives them, here's how much stuff you have to gain when you get this course. You can talk about the bonuses there. You can talk about the um, social proof, the case studies. Basically, if you focus on here's how much stuff you have to gain when you join here, you're approaching the logical decision maker. However, if you if this is the first time you're launching the course or if the, the course is really amazing in several regards, then you can write an announcement email that talks to the early adopter. And the early adopter is a personality type that's interested in what's new, revolutionary, what's different, and what's something that they can get out of that that would make them stand out from the crowd. The awesome part about the early adopter is that they're not that much focused on the pricing, but more on the benefits and the outcome and how that makes them feel different, better than anybody else. And for them, for the early adopters, your announcement email can be very much curiosity-based. It can talk about results. It can talk about how the framework is new Mm-hmm. When you compare it new or revolutionary or different, when you compare it with the traditional conservative ways of achieving the same outcome. So we're on the, this is the gain email. So overall, just to summarize, there's gain, logic, fear, going, going, gone. There's this framework of early adopters, logical decision makers, emotional decision makers, and procrastinators. And the gain email is mostly written for the early adopters. So some people will read this and it's like, okay, that was nice. Or they just won't bother with it because they're maybe a procrastinator and they just won't even look at this because it's not got a deadline with it. But the portion of your audience who are early adopters, this email is specifically aimed at them. So that's kind of part of the reason why you need multiple different emails. It's not just like hammering the same people again and again. It's like you're actually trying to talk to different members, but you don't know who is who. Otherwise, hypothetically, you could go, right, we'll only send the early adopters email to the early adopters and we'll only send the logical, like you probably wouldn't do that, but like you could hypothetically you could do that, right? 
but we don't know which is which and people will change over time possibly as well with regards to your product or i don't know if that's maybe maybe that's not true but the what we're looking at here is the gain email and we're announcing what is different about this what is revolutionary about it you think i think you said results was another one in there as well yeah. was that right what else goes in this email social proof Okay. Especially if you have endorsements from influencers or personalities in your industry that your audience might look up to. The person who developed this theory of early adopters, primary adopters, late adopters, and laggards uh, estimates that 13.5% of an audience is made of early adopters over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In the model, the way it's described in... Um... When I've read it, it was early majority and late majority. Exactly. I was focused on the noise that's coming from my back. And I was thinking, <laughs> hopefully it's not recorded. Uh, no, the no I, I didn't come through at all. Okay, so that's the gain email. So talk us through then the second one, the logic email, who that appeals to and how it works. Okay, so if you have a person who read your first email but was not impressed by you know, the revolutionary, maybe they were not convinced yet because they're typically logical decision makers. They want to make sure that if they invest time and effort into something, it's actually going to be worth it. So for this person, you can approach the easiest type of email possible, which is like three reasons to do something. Three reasons to uh, use email promotions to grow your core sales. Three reasons to fix your mindset if you want to lose weight. And again, it's not salesy. It's, it doesn't talk about your course yet. We're still getting people into the moment when we're going to talk primarily about the offer, the product. We're now making people aware of the solution to the problem they might have. Other ways to talk to logical decision makers is to put things into perspective. So... You're thinking about solving your problem with this solution. Obviously, you have other ways of solving this problem. Here are some other ways that other people have done it, which could work for you. But if you're interested in, I know, support, guidance, templates, whatever it is that you offer that is different from the other options, then you can use it in that email. Yeah, one of the things I really like is when people are very upfront and honest, and of course, they're selling and saying, you know, you could go learn all of this stuff from podcasts and the internet or whatever. What we've done is we've just cut it down to the most useful things. We've put it in a good order. We provide support with it. We've got templates. We've tried to package it up in a way that's super helpful. And that's why we're charging some money for it. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay. That'll probably save me a bunch of time. That makes sense. I would pay for that. Yeah, I find that like maybe I'm a logical decision maker. <laughs> well Case studies also work showing how other people were able to achieve the outcome that they're after, but you have to show them this was the problem they had, this is what we applied, and this is the result they got. Another way is to show them the roadmap. So you make this promise, you're going to solve your problem in three months. How? Most of the copy around outcomes and benefits is very vague, but when you include the roadmap, then that changes. And for the logical decision maker, you're basically showing them these are the next steps you need to take to solve your problem. And would you include all of these things? Would you include the roadmap and how it works and the case studies in this email? Or is it like these are options to choose from? 
these are options to choose from. So the logical decision maker, if you think about it, it's a person who needs very clear copy, very clear message on point, and you need to make sure that they're able to follow what you're giving them. If you give them multiple things to consider at the same time, you're going to lose their attention. Okay, so the options you can choose from for the logic email are breaking down how it works, a roadmap, three reasons why you should do this, other ways that you could do this for free or for cheaper, and what the difference is and logically what's better about yours. Okay, cool. So that's some of the options for the logic email. What's the next email that we'll send out? The next one is fear, and this relates to the emotional decision maker. And there are many ways we can talk about fear, and most people just focus on the fear of investing, which does relate to the logical decision maker, but we usually use it for procrastinators because that's like the last of the excuses they have about not giving something a try. So for fear or emotional decision makers, we talk about the future. We talk about putting things into perspective to show them what they might be missing out on if they're not starting today to solve the problem they have. Emotional decision makers are very transformation focused. So to some extent, uh, stories of success are going to help as well. It's similar to giving the roadmap for the logical decision maker, but instead of focusing on the actual elements of what has helped that person achieve the outcome they desire, you're going to focus on describing the emotional transformation. So it would be like the benefit of the benefit. You've now solved the problem of not getting enough sales for your course, which means that you can hire more people to help with content creation. You can get coaches so that your students have more one-on-one time. You feel more confident about investing your time into an online course, despite what your family has been telling you that you need to go back into, I don't know, being a doctor or whatever, because online is not a real job. Uh, You feel you sleep better at night because now you don't have to worry where the money is going to come from to support your family and to support your teachers. You even now make enough more money so that you can actually invest back into your community, which makes you feel even more motivated and driven to make this business work. And the most important thing is that your students are writing back and saying how much they love the course. That would have never happened if you never took the leap of faith and give this solution a try or give this framework a try. For other industries, obviously, the emotional transformation can be be even more powerful. If we're talking about someone who is trying to lose weight, we can talk about how they look at themselves in the mirror and the different emotions they feel, how they feel when they go on a date, maybe how confident they feel, how good they feel when clothes fit them, or when they can go into the store and they can afford the mental confidence to choose something that they would have never thought it would be a good fit for them or something like that. Okay. And how is the emails written? Because there's a lot of stuff we've just talked through that you were saying they can do this. Are you talking to people in like the first person about, you know, like, Sorry, in the second person about themselves, you're saying you will be able to do this, or are you using this as a case study and saying this other person had this impact on them, or could you do it either way? What's the options here? So 
primarily I talk about the person reading this. So I'm talking to them. You can do this. That's the majority of the copy. Obviously, when I have stories or case studies, I'm going to introduce like a third person. But primarily, it's going to be the you person. Sometimes it's going to be like, hey, Monica, so over the last few days, you heard a lot about, I know, our ICS group coaching program. And you're thinking, is this actually the one that's going to help you figure out how to grow your course sales so you can finally sleep better at night? Well, let me guide you through what can happen if you try it. Or let me show you how John was able to increase their sales or improve their course revenue and hire more people so he can finally get back more time with your family. And throughout the story, I'm going to refer back to them. Monica, maybe you felt like John before. It's a very big chance that if you two are struggling with this problem, you've probably tried option one, option two, and option three, but it didn't work. So how is this different? Well, John implemented this and just in two weeks, he was able, he told us that he's able to, I know, see where the future of his business is going to be. It's kind of having like a conversation with someone. That's the purpose of Mm. all the emails. You're having a conversation with the person who's reading this. You're not talking at them. You're talking to them. You're asking them questions. Because you need to enter the conversation they're going to have in their mind about what you're trying to get them to pay attention to. Something very important, I think we talked about this before, each of these emails, they're going to address a specific objection or fear they have. The copy in itself is just going to tweak to appeal to the early adopter, which is interested in new things different things to the logical decision maker who's going to be interested in, okay, how does this actually work? To the emotional decision maker who's more appealed by the emotional transformation and the future even, and then to the procrastinators who are very scarcity, urgency focused. But each email is going to talk about the fear or an objection. Okay, so our last our last set of emails we've got is the going, going, gone emails. And these are aimed at the procrastinators, I assume. We've been through everybody else and it makes sense because yes. they're all about having a deadline. So can you explain to everybody what the going, going, gone emails are and how they work? So going, going, gone emails, it's a set of three emails that we send over two days. And they're basically the urgency, scarcity, last days of the promotion, get your discount while it lasts type of emails. Uh, Most people use these emails. The problem is that they only use these emails or they are so salesy that they kind of give email promotions a bad name. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's what most people are aware of when it comes to email promotions. That That email in your inbox that says, Monica, this is your final warning. Monica, last chance. Monica, you're gonna miss out. And it's very time consuming and frustrating And while a few years ago, this tactic was not heavily used, now most people use it. And your readers, your audience is most likely saturated with urgency, last day of the promo emails, which is why if you tweak the perception and you're talking to procrastinators instead of people who are just going to miss out on something, 
you can come up with other ways of writing going going gun emails that are not salesy but effective so procrastinators they're a combination of uh fear and fear of missing out and they just put themselves under so much pressure before they actually make a decision interestingly enough most of the revenue comes from the last three emails which i don't know if this is an interesting fact about humankind in itself but the majority of the revenue in animal promotion comes from those females interestingly when we switched from just talking about urgency and the fear of missing out and we switched into here's what's actually keeping you stuck from achieving the outcome you desire results got even better mm. Because we were trying to convince people, hey, buy this, because if you don't buy it, your discount is going to go away. Well, that's interesting. But if they're procrastinators and that's how they go about their day, they're going to get the course and they're not going to see the outcome because they're not going to do the work. However, if you position it in a different way, the reason you're not in this program and enjoying the results our other students are enjoying right now is not because you were afraid of investing $97. $97 is just what? One year of Netflix, a few coffees at Starbucks, maybe three months worth of venties at Starbucks. The real reason you're not investing those $97 is because you're afraid of starting something new. Yet the new thing you're going to start and not finish. And that's where you tell them how you're going to help them achieve the outcome. Maybe you're going to give them accountability, coaching, life classes, a one-on-one -on -one coach that's going to help them navigate their obstacles. Maybe it's not the fear of starting new for them. Maybe it's the fear that they're not going to be perfect. You talk about that. You put things into perspective. And we, we do a combination. We are still testing to see which type of positioning and which message works better for procrastinators in the Going Going series. We've tested a lot of things. We've te tested these coaching emails, fear of starting something new, action taking. Like the only way your life is going to change is if you take the action. I can give you the discount. I can give you the bonuses. I can give you the accountability, but I can't push the button for you. That's where you need to make a decision. Sometimes we talk about the money back guarantee as a way of saying, look, there's no risk in trying something new. Again, mm -hmm. back to that fear of something new and calling them out. This is procrastination. And sometimes we talk uh, beyond just them investing in the course. We talk about other areas of their life to make them aware of how potentially procrastinating is keeping them from enjoying other experiences in life. So it goes beyond just the features of be and benefits of the product. And sometimes we have such good bonuses that we're going to talk about the bonuses and we're going to hit the fear of missing out. But again, in not in a very salesy way. And we make sure that the bonuses are very well explained why they actually need them and how it's going to help them in their journey to achieve the goal they desire. Okay. 
so there's three emails and you covered a whole bunch of different ways of talking to people about procrastination and missing out and what's holding them back. Would you have, you know, one each of those kinds, you know, three of those kinds of things in those three emails or is it, I mean, is the last one different to the first one? Like what's, how do people put these together? Again, we're, we're testing, but you can do three ways, like three reasons you're not in our course just yet of starting something new excuses you're making because you're procrastinating and third i don't know fear you're not going to do well with this or you can just break them down individually try it risk-free today and you only talk about the money back guarantee and how it's actually risk-free to try something new and fear of missing out you talk only about the bonuses and if you want you can that one that's the one you can actually focus on how much value they're going to miss out on if they're not going to take action. In my experience, it's easier and more effective to just have one theme per per email. Mm -hmm. So fear of some trying something new, talk about the money back guarantee. You're procrastinating, talk about procrastination in general in their life and then give them some testimonial from a student who's gone through a similar journey. Put it in perspective how much they're going to miss out on if they don't take action now. And you can talk about the discount, the savings, the bonuses. So that would be a sales email. Usually when we hit the going, going, gone emails, most of the people who are going to open the emails are people who were already exposed to the solution and to the product, which means that you're not going to risk to hit someone who is not problem aware, not solution aware with a salesy email, which is what actually damages your reputation when you don't have that awareness of what's happening with your emails, who's reading them. And if you haven't done the job of making sure that you have guided people into these different consideration stages, let's call them that. Okay. So if you listen to this and you're thinking, man, that was a lot to take in. What I'd suggest is you could go back through this, like re-listen to the episode when you're actually thinking of writing your your emails or go through and make notes now and then you kind of got the model for later. Because you could jot down like everything that Monica said about the gain email as like options, everything that she said about the logic email. And then you kind of got a framework and you're like, right, here's six ideas of ways that I could write the gain email. And then you've got a topic, you've got a theme, you've got a concept, and then you can go in and write it from there. You don't have to like remember all of this. If someone wants more support than that, could you talk everybody through about how you work with people in the instant course sales program and what kind of some of the resources are in there? Because some of the people listening are going to be like, this sounds great, but I, I could do with a bit more of a hand. Yeah. So every week we have live Q&As where me and Yossip, uh, our funnel engineer strategist, that's an internal joke where we give feedback on people's strategies and copy and positioning. Part of how I work with people in our coaching program is they write their copy, they send it back for feedback, and I help them with uh, brainstorming new angles, brainstorming the actual email. I give them the structure of how they can talk about the angle that they've chosen. Each month, one of the coaching students gets uh, something that I call a very boring name, but it's very effective, the email promo planning workshop, which is basically where I lead them through a similar situation 
to what I've tried to explain on this podcast. We talk about their offers, we talk about their audience, and then we try to identify the best topics and the best themes that can lead people on that awareness journey. So they love the emails, they find them valuable, they build a relationship with the brand, and eventually they're going to buy at some point on the road. And it's just mind-blowing for me every time I run one of those workshops because there are so many interesting and valuable things a course creator can talk about in their promo emails that would be valuable for their audience as well. And for the person who's getting the workshop, they're like, mind-blown. It's like, how have I not thought about this? I've been doing this for so many years and I've never considered doing it like this. And that makes it a lot easier for them to write the emails. Nice. So if you're interested in getting more help, go to pimpyourfunnel.com, fill in the type form there. And then if you're a good fit to potentially work with us, we'll give you details of how to book a call. Otherwise, thanks so much, uh, Monica, for sharing all this wisdom with everybody. There's some fantastic nuggets here. If you found the interview useful and you want to get future episodes, please subscribe wherever you listened. And thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody.